Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. If you would, turn with me in your Bible to Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And as you're doing that, Pastor, I want you to know that I'm hopeful this morning. I'm hopeful that I don't have to sleep on the couch tonight after the trouble you tried to get me in a little while ago. So thank you, Pastor. (laughs) You know, it's hard to believe it, but Christmas is here. Can you believe that? Next Sunday morning is Christmas. Woohoo, that's right. Praise God, right? Let me ask you this now. It's confession time. How many of you still have some gifts that you need to buy? Come on. Okay, right? Some of us are there. You know, I love Christmas time. This is probably my favorite time of year. I have so many fond memories of Christmas, both when I was a child and since I've become an adult. I think I attribute my love for Christmas to my grandmother. Christmas was a huge deal, is a huge deal for my grandma, and she's always made it a great time of year. One of my favorite traditions or things about Christmas really is the tradition of giving gifts. I love to see the faces of my loved ones as they open the gifts that I've gotten for them. You know, when it comes to gift giving, there are generally a couple of approaches that we usually take when looking for a gift. Sometimes we purchase gifts that are needs that our loved ones might have. Or we'll purchase gifts that are wants. Sometimes the gifts can be both, right? It can be a need and a want. I want to share a couple of things that I believe uh, are keys to being a good gift giver, okay? So I want you to really pay attention to this. If you want to be a good gift giver, first, it helps to really know the person that you're buying the gift for. Knowing what the person likes, knowing their interests will help you purchase the right gift. But the second key to being a good gift giver is you have to be a good listener. You have to be a good listener. Because you see, if you take the time to really listen throughout the year, the people that you buy gifts for, they'll tell you what they want. They may not even realize it. See, Christmas is the season of giving. And this morning, I want us to spend some time considering a gift that our Heavenly Father has for each one of us this Christmas. You see, God the Father has given many gifts to humanity throughout our history, and they're wonderful gifts. The ultimate gift that He gave us was His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. You see, God is the ultimate gift giver because He knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what we need, And he also knows the desires of our heart. This Christmas, I believe that God has a gift for each one of us. And I believe this gift that he has for us is something that we both need and something that we all should want. So in the time remaining, I'd like for us to consider God's gift of hope, which is for all of us today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray now, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds to your word. And may you be glorified, Holy Father, in the proclamation of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Wouldn't you agree that our world in which we're living in today is in desperate need of hope this Christmas? You see, when we look at the state of our world, there's not much hope there. We find ourselves facing a failing economy, rising inflation, the cost of living is going up. We see at the grocery store higher food prices, higher gas prices, higher costs in utilities. Across our country, we see the rising of crime. We find ourselves in a nation that is filled with political strife. In fact, the political strife in this nation is out of control. We just came out of a pretty contentious midterm election season in which our politicians continue to use reprehensible rhetoric, which only further divides us as a nation. And you do realize that at this time next year, we will be entering into the next presidential cycle where they begin to go, you know, decide who's going to run for president and they begin to make their pitches to the nation. And we already know what that rhetoric is going to be like. There's not much hope there. We find ourselves in a nation that continues to have racial division. And sadly to say, where is the hope when we look at the moral decline of our nation? In particular, we see that the LGBTQ agenda is taking over every area of our lives. I'm watching a series right now on Hulu, which is a streaming service. And in each episode, there's about three to four commercials in between the episode. And I've noticed something on Hulu that about two out of every four commercials, there's a push for this LBGTQ agenda in the commercials. You know, it's difficult to find hope when you're facing difficult seasons of life. I don't know, maybe you're here today and you're facing financial hardships. And it's hard to be hopeful when you're facing financial hardships. Or maybe you're here today and you have marital struggles. Maybe you're dealing with health issues. Maybe you're struggling with the loss of loved ones. Or parents, maybe we're you're struggling today raising kids in this world. And it's hard to find hope. And so we ask the question, where can we find hope today? I wonder, is there anyone in the house of God today that's struggling to find hope? Is there anyone here today maybe that says, I need my hope renewed? I'll tell you what, I am. Pastor always says that the messages that he brings to us, God always does the work in him first before he brings it to us. And that is so true. I, I totally agree with that. And I'll just tell you right now, this message today is very personal for me. Because as some of you know, the, probably the last decade of my life has not been the easiest. I have gone through some very hard struggles in the last decade of my life. And there's been times where I've been needing some hope, needing some renewed hope. So this message is very personal today. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, the Apostle Paul is, is winding down his letter to the church in Rome. And here we really see the Apostle's heart for his brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, he knows the hardship that they're facing, the increase of persecution. He knows the struggle that they're having within the body. And so here, Paul pours out his heart in a simple prayer for the church in Rome. So if you would, stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Romans chapter 15, 
verse 13. This is the prayer of Paul. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless the reading and hearing of His Word. You may be seated. See, the word hope has become a part of our daily vernacular. We say things like this. I hope that you have a Merry Christmas. I hope that the weather will be good for Christmas. I hope that everyone will be well at Christmas. For the kids and the teenagers, you may say something like, I hope that I get that special gift that I want for Christmas. To the adults, you may say, I hope that I'll actually be able to relax over the Christmas break. And I know for everyone that's sitting in this room, you say, I hope that Pastor Justin added a little shortening to his sermon this morning. (laughs) You see, when we use the word hope, we're expressing wishful thinking. But you see, it's uncertain because it's dependent upon circumstances. It's simply a possibility, the hope that we use and speak of. But this is not the biblical meaning of hope. The Bible speaks of hope over 200 times. I love how A.W. Tozer, a pastor and author from a previous generation, said, quote, Hope is one of the greatest words that Christ gave us. It's the music of the whole Bible. It's the heartbeat, the pulse, and the atmosphere of the Bible, end quote. You see, biblical hope is not simply wishful thinking or something of a possibility. It's not something that could happen, but it will happen. You see, when the Bible speaks of of hope, it's of certainty. It's a sure thing. You can build your life on it. It's a confident expectation of the future, based not on possibilities, but on the promises of God. Again, look with me at Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Paul points to where hope is found. And our hope is found in God. God is the source and the giver of hope. He is the source and the giver of hope. God is the source of hope. Everything starts with Him. You see, hope is a part of His very character. It describes the essence of who God is. He is both the object of our hope as well as the author of it. You see, but unfortunately, many people look to other sources for their hope. Some place their hope in money. They believe that their stocks or their bonds, their savings accounts, their retirement accounts can serve as a source of hope in their lives. Others look to their careers, to positions of power. Some look to possessions as a source of hope. Others look to the government to be a source of hope, though I don't know why given their track record. Others look to success to be their hope. Others place their hope in different ideologies. Status is a source of hope for some. Others place their hope in their physical health. 
And lastly, many people will place their hope in other people. You see, the problem with placing your hope in any of these things is that they're temporary. They will not last. They can be gone just like that. The economy can crash. And all of your life savings, your retirement can be gone in an instant. Jobs can be lost at any moment. Houses can be burned down or destroyed by storms. Cars break down. Governments are corrupt. Look how much corruption we see in our own government today. And your health at some point will fail you. And unfortunately, people will let you down. Even those that are closest to you. They will let you down. They will disappoint. And if you place your hope in any of these things, you are destined for heartache. You're destined for disappointment. I love how one commentator said it. He said, our hope is only as strong as its source. Our hope is only as strong as its source. And God and God alone must be the foundation of our hope. The hymn writer Edward Motz expressed it best when he penned these words. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on whose name? Jesus' name. If you know it, say it. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is what? Sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Never place your hope in anything that is, that is temporary. Place your hope in the One who is eternal. God Almighty. Placing our hope in any of these previous things mentioned is a false hope. And it stands on sinking sand. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 through 19, the Bible says, So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, one which enters within the veil. This hope in which the Bible is speaking of is Jesus Christ. Christ and Christ alone is to be our hope. He is our anchor. And while God is the source of all hope, He is also the giver of hope. For you see, we cannot manufacture hope. We cannot produce it ourselves. Because we don't control our circumstances. Hope can only be given by God. Again, listen to Paul's prayer. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul prays that this God of hope will fill us with all joy and peace. And when it says fill us, it's a continual filling. It's not just a one-time filling, but God is continually filling us. And why does Paul pray that God would fill us? with joy and with peace. I love how one commentator said it. He said, quote, what fills a person, what fills a person exercises control over the person's effect, attitude, and actions, end quote. 
But you see, a person who has joy and peace in their lives has a very different countenance, an attitude about life, than one that is angry all the time or one that is bitter about life. You see, whether you have joy and peace in your life will also affect how you go about living your life. He, he says that, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy. All joy. You see, joy is one of the greatest themes of Paul's letters. The Apostle Paul, more than any other New Testament writer, speaks of joy. His letter to the Philippians is known as the epistle or letter of joy. Warren Wiersbe said this, quote, Joy is the inward peace and sufficiency that is not affected by outward circumstance. You see, being joyful doesn't mean that you always have to be that happy-go-lucky person who's always bubbly and just smiling all the time. That's not, that's not what he's talking about here. You see, joy is not found by seeking it as an end within itself, but joy is a byproduct of a life that is lived with God. It must be given by God. And it is to be the defining marker, one of the defining markers of a Christian's life. Our lives as Christians are to be lives that are lived with joy. One quote said this, quote, The Christian life is founded on faith in Jesus, whose life on earth began as good news of great joy for all people. You remember that in the Christmas story when the angel showed up to the shepherds? He said, I bring you tidings of great joy that are for all mankind. Nehemiah 8.10 tells us, for the joy of the Lord is what? Our strength. So Paul says that his prayer is that the God of hope would fill us with all joy and all peace. Now when Paul speaks of peace here, he's not talking about the absence of hardship or strife in one's life. The peaceful person is not necessarily the person who always seems to be calm, cool, and collected. But peace here is an inward settledness of one's soul, regardless of one's circumstance. And we can only experience this peace because God is the one who gives it to us. So what is the key then to having joy and peace in your life? Paul tells us in this prayer. He says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. And here it is, in what? In believing. Believing is the key to hope, to joy, to peace. The God of hope cannot fill us with joy and peace if we do not believe. If we're not trusting in Him. Also, when he says, with all joy and peace in believing, the tense that that word believing in is in the present, which means it is a continual belief, right? It is not a one-time only belief, but that we continue to believe in the promises of God. Regardless of the circumstance, are we trusting in the promises of God? Are we trusting the, in the fact that if we are in Christ, the Bible says that we are a new creation? Am I trusting in the fact that Christ has promised to always be with me? That He would never leave me nor forsake me? Are we trusting in the fact that God said before Christ went back into heaven that He would send a comforter to us? 
Are we trusting in the fact that the Bible says that God is for me and what? Not against me. Are we trusting in the fact that God hears our prayers? Even though we may not feel like it. But are we trusting that God hears our prayers? And are we trusting in the fact that the Bible says that God cares for us? Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? Faith, belief in who? The Son of God who loved me and he gave himself up for me. You see, Christian joy and peace are impossible to have without trusting in Jesus Christ. For the absence of God in one's life is the absence of hope. This is why those who do not believe in God will never find hope. Those who would acknowledge that there is some kind of higher power, some higher being, but they're not willing to acknowledge that it's God, they will never find hope in this world. So if you're here today, or maybe you're watching online, listening over the radio, and you have never placed your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, and maybe you're wondering, why am I experiencing a lack of joy in my life? Why is it that I cannot find peace? Why can I never seem to find hope? I want you to hear this. And I say this as lovingly as I can, but it is your lack of belief in God. Your lack of your trusting in His Son that is causing you to struggle so. And you will never find hope. You will never find peace without Jesus. But I ask you this, those of us that do know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, if the Christian life is one of hope, and our lives should exhibit joy and peace, why is it that so many Christians struggle with a lack of joy and a lack of peace, and we struggle to find hope? Again, I point you back to the text. It's a belief problem. It's a belief problem. We're not believing or not trusting and the promises of God. Because you see, we have allowed our circumstance rather than God's word to determine our reality. It comes down to this, church. Do we believe this to be the word of God or not? Do we believe that this is true? That God's word is sufficient? That it is everything that we need? Has everything that we need? Does this determine our faith and our practice, or do our circumstances. We have to trust everything it says, even when we're not experiencing maybe the things that it said. That's the truth I've had to come to over these last years as I've struggled with hope, struggled with joy. I've had to decide, do I really believe this or not? My experience is not affirming some of the things I'm reading here. But does that mean that this is not true? Absolutely not, because this is absolute truth. So whether my experience is confirming it or not, who am I going to trust? 
Am I going to trust my experience or am I going to trust the Word of God? I'm, going to tr- I'm making the decision to trust the Word of God because this is truth. This is what I'm resting and betting it all on, God's Word. You may say, Pastor, but you don't know the circumstances that I'm facing right now. And that's true. I don't know what you're facing right now. But I know this. I know that God is bigger than the circumstances you're facing right now. Because you see, God is sovereign over our circumstances. And like I was told many years ago, there, and I've told you it before, but there is nothing over your head that's not under his feet. There is nothing over your head, whatever the circumstance you're facing right now, that may be over your head, that's overwhelming you, it's under the feet of God. He is sovereign. He is in control. He is over that. Again, Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why does Paul want to see us filled with all joy and peace? So that what? So that we will abound in hope. This is the why of the prayer. You see, the God of hope is longing for each of us today to abound in hope. Because I know that every person in this room today, every person watching online, and every person listening over the radio today is in need of hope. Again, hear me, church. God has hope for each one of us today. And what's, what's awesome about this hope is that God doesn't just ration it out. It's not like a little bit over here for Nathan, a little bit, get a little bit of hope for Wayne, little for Harold, little for Dave, little for Eli. No, God's not just doling out little bits of hope for each of us. But there is an abundance of hope to be had. When he says that you would abound in hope, this means that hope would overflow. That there would be an abundance of it. Again, this word abound is the Greek word periseu, which is in the present tense, which again means that it continues. There's no end to it. So what God is saying is that I have an endless supply of hope that I want to give out to you. There is more than enough. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, if we are to abound in hope, it will be because of the power of the Spirit working in our lives. Hope will never be found without the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot achieve it through our own personal means. So as we look around us today, I think it's quite clear that we're living in an age that's lacking in hope. Christmas is here, church. And the true message of Christmas is one of hope. Hope is one of the greatest needs of the human heart. I'll grant you, and I completely believe this, life can be overwhelming at times. But God offers hope to each one of us today. So I ask the question, where are you placing your hope today? To the Christian, hope is a fundamental 
in our lives. It should be. Christian, are you struggling to find hope this Christmas? Are you struggling to find joy and peace in your life? If you are, I would ask you to do two things. First, identify any areas in your life where you have maybe have some false hope, that you've placed your hope in some other things than God. And if so, confess those to God and turn from that. And secondly, put your hope in the promises of God in His Word. It's not wrong to grieve our hardships, to grieve our sorrows. But one of the things that I'm learning is that eventually we have to move past those. God never meant for us to stay in those times of sorrow. Disappointment, lack of joy, lack of peace in our lives is never meant to define us. God created us for so much more. John 10.10, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I have come that you might have what? Life and have it abundantly. You see, a hope-filled life that's demonstrated by joy and peace, that's part of that abundant life that Jesus was talking about. Maybe you're here today watching online or listening over the radio You've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I would ask you today, will you receive this gift that God is offering you? Without Him, as I said earlier, you will have no hope in this life or for the next. Without Him, you'll never experience true peace or joy in your life. I say to you today, God is extending His hand to you. All you have to do is just say yes. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 13, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you, what? Will be saved. And verse 13 says, for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, no one is hopeless who hopes in God. God has the perfect gift for you this Christmas. It's a gift that you need and that you will want. The question is, will you accept God's gift of hope this Christmas? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for this time. Thank you, Father, that you do offer hope, and it is abounding, Father. Thank you, Father, that you do provide joy and peace in our lives when we surrender them to you. And so we give this time to you, Father. I pray now that in this time of invitation, that we will say yes to your gift of hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me this morning as we sing? This is an opportunity for you to respond to the message. If God is moving you, maybe you need to come forward and give your life to Christ for the first time. Maybe you're going through a rough time and you need a brother or sister to pray for you that God would give you renewed hope, renewed joy, and renewed peace in your life. This altar is open. There's brothers and sisters here to pray with you. Would you come now as we sing?
thank you for being here today. I want you to know, church, you had a hope that the pastor today would give, add some shortening to your message. I want you to notice that, right? All right, so you can beat the Methodist to the restaurant, okay? Thank you for being here today. If you're a guest with us, special thank you that you chose to worship with us. Our pastor would love to meet you, and he's going to be right outside at our Welcome Center. Please stop by so he could greet you. And again, as always, we want to connect with you. We want to be able to minister to you. One way you can help us with that is filling out our Connect card. You can either do that online, or we have iPads in the back. All you need to do is put your name and email address, and we'd love to get in contact with you. But thankful that you're here today. want to leave you with this blessing uh, as we go. If you will, will you, uh, Kara, do you mind putting that scripture back up on the uh, screen, please? I want this to be our blessing as we go, because it was Paul's blessing to the church. But I, wanted, I want you to do something for me, okay? Where it says you, okay, I want you to put your name there, all right? Now, we're going to read this verse together all together, but I want you to insert your name where it says you, okay? Pretty clear? All right, let's do this. Now, may the God of hope fill Justin with all joy, peace, and believing so that Justin will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless y'all. See you next Sunday, Christmas morning.